Today I want us to take a look at this third skill as we wrap up this little mini-series, and that is the skill of timing. Now let me explain this. Every great accomplishment in history has an element of timing in it. When you're watching football and a player catches a beautiful pass, it's all about timing. This is true about business. When to buy and when to sell stocks. Buy low, sell high. It's about timing. If you are a singer, knowing how to sing the, right, or sing the notes at the right time and in the right place can make or break your career. Same is true with musicians. They've got to have the right beat, the right timing. They don't have mine, obviously, but they're going to learn one day, okay? If you are a comedian, you know setting up that story and giving that punchline at the right time can make or break that joke. This is true for every area of life. We are in a political year. And running for elected office and getting elected to that office is influenced by timing. Now this timing aspect is often referred to as walking in the Spirit. I don't have time to go through this and develop that aspect, but when you say yes to Jesus Christ, he deposits his Spirit in you. And his Spirit is the one that helps us to understand timing to be sensitive to what God is doing in the world and getting there. When I was a young Christian, my prayers were oftentimes based around this, God, bless what I'm doing. But the older I've gotten in my Christian life, the more I've moved away from that too, God, get me to where you're blessing. And so I've learned to look around, to sense what the Spirit of God is doing in my world, in our world, in the world at large, and getting there because, folks, that's where the blessings are at. And so being sensitive to the cadence of God's Spirit is a matter of timing, and timing can be learned. The preacher of Ecclesiastes said in Ecclesiastes 8, 6, there is a right time and a right way to do everything, but we know so little. What he is implying there is the right timing and the right way are skills that you and I can learn. A number of years ago when my son was out in California, he told me, he says, Dad, I'm learning how to surf. And he bought a surfboard and all that thing. And I, after about an hour, hour and a half conversation with him, because generally Dave and I have long conversations about ministry and that thing, he says, well, Dad, i got to let you go. i got to go catch a wave. And I started to think about that. I thought, you know, that's the, the right way to describe what God is doing in the world. Surfers do not create waves. Surfers catch waves. You and I as Christians, we are not here to create a wave. We are here to catch a wave. And surfers, I think, understand that God is the one that creates the wave, but what they have to do is that they have to develop skills on timing. Skills around being patient. Skills about balance. And the same is true for you and I as Christians. If we are going to be walking in the Spirit, as the Bible refers to. If, if we're going to be in step with the cadence of God's Spirit, you and I don't create a wave. You and I catch a wave. You and I have to understand 
timing. And today I want to talk about this skill because it's a skill that you must acquire in order to be successful in life. There is or are rhythms to life and love and leadership. And sometimes those rhythms have you go fast and sometimes they have you go slow. But wise people are able to read. They're able to read and allow the Spirit to recall things to their mind so that they can walk in accordance of the Spirit as well as run. You see, the Bible describes the Christian life as a race. We may not realize this because we don't think of Jesus in these terms, but Jesus moved fast a lot of times. Did you know that? We don't think of that. We think Jesus did. No, he moved fast. 15 times in the Bible, the word Jesus and immediate are in the same sentence. Jesus immediately healed this person. Jesus immediately went to this place. Jesus immediately said this. Jesus immediately did this and immediately did that. And just as Jesus did things slowly, he also did things fast. And he wants you and I to do things fast and slowly. The Apostle Paul gave us commands that we are to move fast. Take a look at some of these. 1 Timothy 6, 12. Run hard and fast in the faith. Didn't say walk slow in the faith. It says run hard and fast. I like that. I'm AAA. I'm going to Cameroon. I'm going to run hard. I'm going to give it all I got. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Paul said this of himself. 1 Corinthians 9, 26. I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I love that. Purpose-driven life. Philippians 3, uh, 12. I run to win. So clearly there is a time to walk. Clearly there is a time to run. Clearly there is a time to just wait. Be still and know that I am God. And clearly there is a time to move. And so learning the difference is very important in having an effective life and love and leadership. I want us to first take a look at how we need to move quickly. And let's do this quickly. The first one is this. When God tells you to do something. When God tells you to do something, I should move fast to do it. And God does that through his spirit. You just have this sense. George, do this, say this. Go over here. The Bible is filled full of commands and precepts and decrees from God. And God expects us to do each and every one of those how many of us here are parents? May I see your hands? Just raise them. Get them up there. Wow. What would you think if you came to your kid and says, child, okay, I want you to be obedient. And they looked at you and says, I'll think about it. Now, you know which child comes to your mind that was like that, right? I had three of them like that. Who are you, you know? I mean, we, there would be consequences, wouldn't there? But we do that all the time with God. God says, I want you to do this. And we go, mm, I'll think about it. You and I doing that with God is just as rebellious as a child doing it with you. Delayed obedience is disobedient. We had three rules in raising our kids. 
quickly, quietly, and completely when we tell, told them to do something. Notice the disciples responding this way to Jesus in Mark chapter 1, 17 and following. Jesus said to them, come follow me. So Simon and Andrew immediately left their nets and followed him. What does that mean? It means they left their jobs. When? Immediately. They just left them like that. Take a look at what the psalmist says in Psalms 119, verse 60. Without delay, I hurry to obey your commands. Will you circle the word hurry? A lot of times we think of hurry as a negative, as negative, but it's not. We think of it as negative because of stress, okay? The, the hurry and worry and bustle of everyday life, but it's not. So my question to you is this. What has God told you to do that you haven't done yet? I have people coming into my office and they're asking for counsel. And says, yeah, I just, I don't know, just, nothing seems to be working in my life. And so we talk through some different habits, and different things. But inevitably, I will ask them, has God told you to do something you haven't done yet? And they look at me like deer in headlights. Maybe God's not telling you anything new because you haven't done what he's, already, what he's told you previously. Huh? The second thing that you and I need to do in moving quickly is to ask and offer forgiveness. Now this is for your benefit because your body wasn't designed to carry guilt and resentment. We spend much of our time in life on this side of eternity abusing our bodies because of guilt, things we've done in the past, and because of resentment, things that have been done to us. And our physical bodies have not been designed to carry that. Truly what we do is that we crucify ourselves be, between two crosses. The cross of guilt from our past and the cross of resentment about the future. And it keeps us crucified in the present where we are just miserable. God says, I want you to deal with it immediately. Take a look at Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you are giving an offering at worship and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your offering and go immediately to that person and be reconciled. <clears throat> then you can come back to worship and offer your gift. In other words, what he's saying there is don't use worship as an excuse to delay. No, deal with it immediately. Now this isn't rocket science, is it? When I say, who is it that you need to get right with? We all have a mind. A person gets right to the front of our mind. Do it immediately. The third thing that we need to do quickly is this, when I feel tempted. Now, last week I mentioned temptation, and we've taught, uh, I've taught about temptation. Last week I mentioned the fact that temptation is not a dilemma between right and wrong, but rather it is a dilemma between now and later. We've talked about in this church the importance of having a preventative strategy for some of the things that we are weak, that we bend towards. We also need a strategy for emergencies because a lot of times temptation raises its ugly head at the most inopportune time. My question is this, what's the strategy, the emergency strategy to be? One word, run, run. Not plan, run. When it raises its ugly head, you run from it. Now, why do I say not planning? Planning is for preventative, right? When it, it raises its ugly head, a lot of times what we like to do is we like to argue with temptation. Let me just say this. If you try to argue with temptation, you will lose. Why? Because temptation is not logical. 
It is emotional. That is why when I worked with college students, I told them, whatever you do, don't decide you're going to be sexually pure in the back seat of your car. Because guess what? It won't happen. Because your glands have kicked in and not your plans. So the Bible says when temptation comes, don't resist it, run from it. Take a look at 1 Timothy 6.11. Run away from all evil things. Look at 1 Corinthians 10.14. Run away from the worship of idols. Pastor George, I don't worship idols. Yeah, we all do. Anytime we put anything ahead of God, our, our mates, or our spouses, our, our kids, our jobs, our hobby, whatever, that becomes an idol. And God says, hey, run away from those idols. Put them in their proper place. I'm number one. And then 1 Corinthians 6.18. Run away from sexual sin. It's pretty clear that we're supposed to run, and especially in those emergency situations. The third thing that we need to move fast in is this. When God has told me to do something, oh, well, sorry, review. When do we run? When God has told me to do something. When, when, when I need to ask or offer forgiveness. When I feel tempted. And then the fourth one is this. When I've made a promise to God. When I've made a promise to God, God expects me to keep that promise sooner than later. Look at Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4. When you make a promise to God, keep it as quickly as possible. He isn't happy with foolish people. Do what you've promised to do. So here's the question. What have you promised God? What have you promised to God that you would do that you need to start doing this week? We were in a series, a whole series on prayer. Remember the prayer, the thing? And we made a kind of promise that, hey, let's, let's pray at noon and I'd send a verse. Now I'm not sending a verse at noon. But we said, okay, I'm gonna pray at noon. Just take, take a little break and just talk to God about the things that are on my heart, about the, those who are leading and teaching, about the middle finger, uh, the, those who are influencing the world, right? And those who I have relationships with and then things about myself, you made a promise. Keep it. Maybe you made a promise that you're going to read God's word. And you said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, read, I'm going to read the whole Bible. Do you know only 7% of Christians have read the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation? Yeah, we make a promise. And eh, we got distracted or whatever. We'll pick it back up. Finish it. Maybe you made a promise to invite someone to church. Hey, invite them. September 9th, everyone wants to know what their purpose is in life. Maybe you made a promise to serve. You even checked the box. I'm, I'm going to start serving in church. And someone's called you and you haven't returned the call. Do it now. Folks, we've all made promises to God. And God says, if you've made this promise, I expect you to keep it sooner than later. And here's the little secret I'm going to let you in on. I've discovered in almost 40 years of ministry, if you fulfill that promise earlier, God will pour out blessings on your life like crazy. Why? Because you're showing that you're a person of integrity and a person of responsibility. The fifth thing that we need to move fast on, and again, this is just a sampling, there's so many, is this, when I have an opportunity to do good, especially to others. The bottom line is that God gives us opportunities every day of our life to show little opportunities of kindness or whatever to people around us. And he is waiting to see if we're just going to be about self or whether we're going to observe 
and meet that need. Maybe it's a word of, of encouragement. Maybe it's a pat on the back. Maybe it's responding and taking flowers to somebody or, or taking a meal or babysitting for somebody. God is saying it's a test. And if you want to learn the cadence of the Spirit, you've got to learn to respond to those opportunities immediately. Take a look at Proverbs three twenty seven. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it while it is in your power to act. You see, we got to respond because that opportunity might not be there forever. Like Nike, just do it, okay? There are people in our world, are there not? Maybe a neighbor, maybe a coworker, where we have said, we've, we've sensed God saying, you know what, just, just go over and meet the new neighbor and bring some cookies and introduce yourself. We didn't do it. Then we feel awkward after two months have gone by. You know, they come out in the driveway and you kind of, <laughs> you feel, <laughs> you know. Or maybe it's a coworker. I, I don't know. We've all had those things where, but we, I don't know, we just got lazy. Now, I know what the most common number one excuse is for not following through on these things because we live very, very, very busy lives, and it is this. When things settle down, I'll do it. Now, I hate to tell you this, but things are never going to settle down. That is a myth. If you're going to do anything with your life, may I encourage you to do it now while you've got the chance because you may not have the chance tomorrow. Take a look, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Everything done in life is done under imperfect conditions. Wouldn't you agree? Taking that meal over to that person, delivering those flowers, giving that compliment, that pat on the back. The reason we do it now is because God has given us the opportunity to do it now. And that is also true with the purpose for which you've been created. God isn't going to wait forever. Take a look at this verse, what Jesus said in John chapter 9, 4. All of us must quickly carry out the task assigned to us. That's the purpose for which you and I have been created. By the Father who sent me, because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. What kind of act, what kind of purpose have you been intending to do but you haven't done it yet. Let me give you one more, and that is when God offers salvation. Salvation is a limited time offer. Some of us here have been waiting. You like Life Point Church? You, you like the music? You like Pastor George? That's a mystery right there. But you haven't stepped across the line of faith. What are you waiting for? I mean, he offers forgiveness of our sins from the past. He offers us a, a purpose for living in the present. He offers us a home in heaven in, in the future. That is a good deal. To not decide, honestly, is to decide. And God's timing of salvation is limited. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 6, 2. God is ready to help you right now. Today is the day of salvation. If he offers you eternity, folks, can I encourage you? Take it now. 
And I'm going to give us an opportunity to do that at the end of our service. Now, not everything that the Spirit is doing is fast-paced. To my chagrins, I like everything done yesterday and the stuff that was done tomorrow should have been done the day before. I like to go fast, 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 fast. But in the Bible, it says there is a time to slow down. That is why I say timing is everything. There is a rhythm to life and to love and to leadership. The Bible says there is a time to sow and there is a time to reap. There is a time to laugh and there is a time to cry. There is a time to go fast, but there's also a time to go slow. Life is a series of rhythms and God through his spirit is the one who's creating the waves. And sometimes they go fast and sometimes they go slow. And successful people understand when they gotta go fast and when they have to go slow. Look at Proverbs 14, 9. It's smart to be patient. Will you circle the word patient? Do you want to be smart? Be patient. So let me give you some examples that the God Spirit can just bring to our minds, okay? And again, this is not exhaustive. But the first one is this. I need to move slowly when I don't have all the facts. Now this point is so counterculture. Because our culture worships impulsivity. It, it, it values spontaneity. To, to plan anything is not cool. You are a geek. You just got to be free of spirit. And so we make decisions without all the facts. Have you ever heard this one? You just got to go with your gut. You ever heard that one? What does that mean? You just ate a burrito. You're supposed to go with your digestion. Mm. Do you understand? I heard this from Oprah. You can have gas. What's this about? I don't know what that means. But we say, oh, I'm just going with my gut. Maybe you've heard this one on a movie. Just follow your heart. What does that mean? That's what it means. You've got to be kidding me. Folks, our hearts are deceitful. They lie to us. All, our feelings lie to us all the time. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful. Who can understand it? And yet we say to ourselves, you've got to go with the flow of your heart. It is amazing how often our feelings lead us astray. Lie to us all the time. We feel, oh, life is so good, it's never been better. That's how we feel, and yet it's not true. Well, life has never been worse. It's just terrible, nothing is good. It's not true. And what oftentimes happens when we follow our hearts is that it leads to a broken heart. And it leads to broken relationships and to dead ends. We need something bigger than our feelings. We need objective truth. Folks, we need facts. Take a look at Proverbs 19.2. Zeal without knowledge is not good. A person who moves too quickly may go the wrong direction. Has that ever happened to you? 
If you've been in a, driving in maybe a part of town that you're not familiar with, and uh, there's someone behind you like Pastor George who knows where he's going, hey, get off the road, lose it or move it, sister, okay? So you feel a little pressure, and you pick up the pace, you put the pedal to the metal, and you pass the exit in which you needed to turn, and as a result, you're wasting more time when you should have just slowed down. Zeal without knowledge isn't good. Today, America is driven primarily by small business. 49.2% of America's economy is driven by small business. But most don't understand that 80% of those small businesses will fail within three years. Why? Zeal without knowledge. Desire Desire and determination. And they haven't talked with anybody about it. They haven't gotten mentored. They haven't gotten counsel. I decide, guess what? I'm going to start a cookie store. Why? Because I love cookies and I like to eat cookies, okay? Well, just because I have a desire and determination doesn't mean that I should do it. I need to talk, I need to, talk to Mrs. Fields, you know? Hey, how was it starting a cookie business? Where did you start it at? What was your overhead? What would you do different? What was the most difficult? Folks, it's dumb to start anything new without asking questions and talking to people about it. Take a look at Proverbs 18, 13. To describe, to decide before knowing the facts is shameful and stupid. I like that word, isn't it? It's kind of a slap across the face. That's pretty clear. The second thing that we need to move slowly in is when I'm hurt or angry. Now, this is going to save a lot of counseling dollars, okay? How many times have you made bad decisions when you were upset because the emotions that were in your heart were telling you to do things that were not logical or not beneficial at that time? Lots of it. I should move slowly when I'm angry or when I'm hurt. Notice the rhythm of the Spirit in James 1.19. Everyone should be Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Will you circle these three words? Quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak. But we do the opposite. We are quick to speak. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And we are slow to listen. And as a result, we have all kinds of relational conflict. God says, no, 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 no. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Because if you do, if you do the first two-thirds right, the, the last third will be automatic. That's the rhythm of the Spirit. Let me share with you a few more verses. Look at Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who is quick-tempered makes foolish mistakes. Proverbs 15, 28. The godly think. Before they speak. I I like this one because in essence he's saying, hey, put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in gear, okay? We don't do that. Why? Because we don't go slow. Look at Proverbs 14 or 15, 18. Losing your temper causes trouble, but staying calm settles arguments. How do you stay calm? By going slow. Sometimes you go fast. Sometimes you go slow. The third thing you go slowly with, is when making a major decision. Now, this one's going to save a lot of heartache and can save a lot of money. Never make a major decision impulsively. Take the time to think. 
Take the time to pray. Take the time to consider. Now, some of us here are unmarried, and we want to be married. When I used to do premarital counseling, I would give a two-word advice. Go slow. Don't get in a hurry. And I say that because typically when you meet that significant other, you get a quiver in your liver. (laughs) And you get a chill down your spine. And you're thinking, we're going to get married next week and we're going to live the rest of our lives together. You are kidding me. You don't even know them yet. Go slowly. Experience in that relationship the four seasons of a relationship. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. Reminds me of a song. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. My beat. Okay? (laughs) You see, here is the challenge of our culture when it comes to relationships. Dating is an artificial experience. They look good, they act good, and they smell good. Am I right? They smell and they look, and boy, they act right, man. Person comes into a bar, sits next to another person. Hey, babe. Can I buy you a drink? Smell me. Where else in the world does that ever happen? Folks, does that happen at Sears? Hey, babe, can I buy you a toaster? (laughs) I look good and I smell good and I'm acting good right now. Folks, it's phony. It's phony and it's fake and it's not real at all. You've got to go through the four seasons of a relationship. You've got to go through the wintertime when everything is dark and bleak so that you understand where their hope really is anchored. You understand what I'm talking about? you got to go through the springtime when everything is fresh and new and it's blossoming so, that they, so you understand how they view the future. you got to go through the summer times with them when it's hot and it's dry so that you understand how they maintain habits in their life. You've got to go through the spring t- or the, the fall time, the harvest, and how they use their resources. you got to go slow. But a lot of times what we do is we just go for it. And then we wake up and we think, bait and switch. They are nothing like what they were while we were dating. Look at this verse, Proverbs 21, 29. Wicked people bluff their way through life, but God's people think before they take a step. We live in a very fakey world. So you gotta think. God gave you his will for your life in way of relationships when he gave you your brain. Use it. So, what major decisions are you facing right now? Marriage, retirement, new job, moving into a new house, something with the kids. Take a look at what Solomon says in Proverbs 4.26. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Will you circle the word ponder? That is an old English word that means to consider carefully. And when he says, 
to ponder the path of your feet, he is saying, think carefully about the direction of your life. Now, I am a life application pastor. It isn't just about theology. I'm trying to make even this, walking in the Spirit, practical. So let me make this verse practical. What are you doing today that will set the direction of your life tomorrow? Most people don't ponder. Most people do not ask themselves questions. What skills do I need to acquire? What knowledge do I need to acquire? What practices do I need to make sure are in my everyday life? What are the people that I need to be associating with? We don't ask ourselves the question, what do I need to do today in order to get to where I want to go tomorrow? A lot of people dream dreams, but they never ask that question. So will you write this down? You can't ponder fast. You can't. I have staff come in, George, we've got to make this decision. And I always ask, when does it absolutely have to be made? Well, next week, okay, I'm going to wait. You, you can't ponder fast. You can only ponder slowly. And it applies to every area of our life, even our finances. Take a look at Proverbs 21.5. Plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. Plan, ponder, pray, carefully consider the pathway, even your purpose. Does this fit in? The last one is this. Go slowly with the seed that you've planted, waiting for, for it to grow. This is the law of the harvest. And I've taught on this. But the law of the harvest starts with the seed, an idea. An idea about a relationship and where you want it to go. An idea about a family and where you want it to go. An idea about the very purpose for which you've been created and where you want it to go. Everything starts with a seed. It's one thing to have an idea. It's one thing to have a seed, a seed idea. It is another thing then to plant that seed. Wouldn't you agree? Nothing happens until you act on the idea, until you plant that seed. Now, when you plant that seed, there's always a waiting period. What farmer, I was up at our, our, our small farm, family farm up in Missouri. No farmer in their right mind plants seed in one day and expects a harvest to happen the very same season. And that farmer doesn't plant that seed and then the next day go to it, dig it up. It hadn't grown yet. Put it back in. And then the next day, dig it up. Pick. No. You plant the seed, and then what do you do? You wait. And you trust God. And that takes time. Now, while you are waiting for that idea to take root, to sprout up, to have some blossoms, to have some fruit, and to get a harvest in a marriage, with a family, with your purpose in life, what do you do? You continue to sow seeds 
into your character. And you continue to plant seeds with skills in your life. You sow seeds of gentleness and kindness and patience and self-control. You plant disciplines in your life of reading God's word and praying over God's word. And you continue in those skills. Because God says at the right time, roots are going to grow. It's going to sprout. It's going to blossom. It's going to have fruit. Look at first. Uh, look at Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 5. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to scatter and a time to gather. And what you do is you keep sowing seeds of character and keep planting seeds of skills in your life. Because here's the deal. You don't know what character quality or what skill may be needed to cause that seed that you've planted in that relationship with your family, with your purpose to bam, to grow, shoot up, and create all kinds of harvest. You don't know what it is. And this is why the preacher of Ecclesiastes said in 11.6, keep on sowing your seed, for you never know which ones will grow. Perhaps they all Now, I realize that some of us here have planted seeds, and we're waiting for a harvest. And so what I want to do in this year of hope is I want to end with a promise, and I want to end with a prayer. You see, if you remember our definition of hope, hope is when you and I stop listening to our feelings, and we start listening to the Word of God, praying over the promises of God as we fall on the character of God. So I want to give you a promise out of Habakkuk 2, verse 3. It's one that God has given me many a time because I'm triple A and I want everything done yesterday. At the time I have decided, my words will come true. You can't trust, you can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. And you keep sowing seeds, skills, and character building in your life. And you pray. And this prayer is what Solomon prayed. May God keep us centered. Not sidelined, not distracted, smack dab in the center of his will for which he has created us. And devoted to him, following the life path. That's your purpose. He has cleared. Watching the signposts. You can't see signposts when you're going 100 miles an hour. What was that? And walking at the pace and rhythms he's laid down for your ancestors. There is a time to go fast. And there is a time to slow down. And September 9th we're going to start a new series. And shortly after that, we're going to have some steps. And I hope every one of us shows up. Pathway to Purpose, step one. 
Pathway to purpose, step two. Pathway to purpose, step three. Pathway to purpose, step four. And that we take these steps slowly to discover the very purpose for which God has created us. There is a rhythm. And sometimes it's fast and sometimes it's slow. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you are the wave maker. We don't create anything. What we do is we, we recreate. We observe what you have created, the waves that you have created. And you have called us to observe, to listen to your voice. To sometimes ride that wave fast and sometimes to ride that wave slowly. To be patient. To gain the skills of balance so that we can go as far as you want us to go. And to go as fast as you want us to go and as slow as you want us to go. God, that takes us being in tune with the one that you have planted in the center of our being. And may we have ears to hear, as Jesus said, what the Spirit is speaking. And may we be responsive. Maybe this morning, the reason that you're not fulfilled and fruitful is because you haven't said yes to Jesus Christ. It's too good of a deal to pass. Will you do that this morning? By just simply saying, God, right now, I admit, I've been disobedient. I've done my own thing. But I want something more out of life. And I believe your son died on the cross for my sins. And right now, I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ. Come in. Start speaking to me. Help me to understand where you want me to walk, how you want me to walk, with whom you want me to walk. God, hear my prayer. Save me. And if you prayed that prayer, I believe God heard you. Would you give me the opportunity to send you some literature to help you understand what you've just done? I'd love to do that. And your communication card, just give me your name, maybe email address. And God, as we get ready to take kind of a memorial or Labor Day break, to rest from our labors, refresh us and renew us. Renew us so that we might run the race that is set before us, the pathway that you've set before us, that you have cleared the way that you have called us to, God, because we want to be all that you want us to be and we want to do all that you want us to do for your glory and for other people's good. In Christ's name we pray, amen.